Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Matt Hammett, who is a singer, songwriter, speaker, and author. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode um, or your first episode, wherever you are. Thanks for joining. Um, if you if you like what you're hearing and you're continuously coming back for more of these episodes, if you could share or subscribe, those are two ways that really boost the message um, and, and ways that you can support. So sharing on social media, Instagram or Facebook, or um, subscribing and rating and reviewing um, is super helpful as well. In today's conversation, I speak with Matt Hammett, who is a singer, songwriter, speaker, and author. He is fresh off his latest book, which is coming out in early, mid-February, Lead Me, Finding Courage to Fight for Your Marriage, Children, and Faith. Um, We talk about some more of his childhood and backstory of life for him in Ohio, um, the role that his parents played in in his faith formation. Um, And then what, what, what changed, what challenged him to take a step back from his music with Sanctus Real um, and focus more on the bigger picture, um, his family as a father and as a husband. Um, And then he dissects some of the some of these insights, some some things that have really um, shaped him in the way that he leads uh, as a Christ follower in in his home. Um, I'm really excited for this episode today. Um, we talk about a lot. He shares some some brilliance, uh, and I'm just really grateful for for him and all that he all that he has done. His heart for um, this book. Um, and so much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Matt Hammett. Matt, it's uh, so great to have you on the podcast today. Man, thanks so much for having me. Good to be here. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I'm really excited for you and I, I know listeners will be as well, kind of where you where you are right now with your, um, your latest book release. Um, and I, I want to get there in a minute. Um, but I, I know some people may be familiar and you know, know you by Sanctus Real, but can you explain a little bit more and tell us a bit more about your childhood and kind of what your life was like growing up for those uh, sure. who may not know yeah, you? Yeah. So I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, and um, just uh, one brother who was a couple years older than me and uh, my parents who were faithful Christian people who took us to church every week. But it was always more than that um, for them. So they really modeled for me what faith looked like in the way of being lived, you know, not just talked about. And so I I really do feel really fortunate to have had that example. Um, But like anybody else, you know, who grew up in church, it's like I still had my own series of, uh, you know, my own faith journey, I guess you could say. Um, I, I believed in who Christ was growing up, I embraced the message of the gospel 
And, but at the same time, um, I was also a very anxious child and had a lot of, um, just, you know, questions and feelings and, mm. uh, just a lot of, for me, it was just navigating, you know, through some of my anxiety as a young child. And, uh, one of the places where I ended up really connecting where I felt connecting with who God made me to be, and then in return connecting with him was through music. Um, even before I discovered it on my own as a performer or a songwriter, um, I discovered it in the songs that I was listening to. You know, the songs that my parents would play around the house, which was, you know, some Christian songs like, um, you know, that were popular back then. You know, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith certainly were played in mm-hmm. our house, but they also had the Beatles and, uh, you know, Cat Stevens and some of these other uh, artists that were really formative for me that I could just get lost in these songs. And um, it felt like kind of a refuge for me. So when I was 16, I was going to Christian high school um, that where my mom actually worked. And I met a guy named Chris Roman, and he had the same heart and experience. You know, music is where he kind of found his refuge and his connection with God and other people. And so we connected and ended up playing in our chapel band at our Christian high school like once a week but that just wasn't enough for us and that's when we started getting together on the weekends our sophomore year of high school and we started jamming with some other friends and that's what turned into the band Sanctus Real Wow um, very exciting thanks for, for giving me a, little, a bit more of the history and uh, a bit more of the backstory as well uh, in your uh, in your life and kind of how you how that's kind of shaped where you are today and uh, is a few a few few points of your journey that I definitely want to touch on um, and one of them is um, your parents and, and kind of their role in parenting um, and you as as a son and now you know switching that role you as you as a father um, so in your in uh, well, first of all congrats on your latest book uh, lead me finding courage to fight for your family for your marriage children and faith um, can you uh, can you elaborate a bit, bit more uh, on what on what led you to write this book, and then we can dive into some specifics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when I did started the band Sanctus Real uh, in high school with my friends, you know, for us we had no idea that it would turn into a twenty year career in music. Yeah. And so, really, my story you know starts as um, you know being a young man pursuing my dream with music, then signing a record deal right out of high school, but also meeting my wife right out of high school as well. So at the same time we were signing a record deal and starting to go on the road and tour nationally and you know, for the first time hearing our song on the radio and trying to build this dream and career, um, I also was at the very beginning stages of building a family dream. And so from the very beginning uh, of this career pursuit of my dream was also trying to figure out how do I pursue that but also pursue the dream of my marriage and my wife and my family and what God also had for me there and so you know what I've really worked hard to do in this book is to not only tell some of those kind of hard and funny early stories of what it was like to be married so young on the road and be really honest and vulnerable about how that how that um, affected our marriage and our communication, our life, and some of the struggles that we had. 
um, but also reflect and teach some of the lessons that I learned along the way um, to hopefully help other people who are going through the same thing, number one, know that they're not alone in feeling this tension, you know, not only just in marriage itself, and some of the conflict that we deal with, um, everybody has to, you know, grow in their maturity when it comes to conflict resolution, which I'm still working at. Um, after, you know, 18 years of marriage um, and, and learning how to be a good husband and a good father. And so, you know, there's that ongoing lesson and journey. Um, but I also want to, you know, reach out to guys and women both who are feeling like, man, you know, how am I, how do I pursue career and dream? And am I the only one who feels this tension of wanting to do something that matters in the world outside the home, but also understanding that one of the most important things, maybe the most important thing I believe <laughs> we can do is inside our home. Um, and then the natural overflow comes from that of how we impact the world. And so, you know, not only just like feeling that priority, but then really like exercising that priority in practice and making hard decisions is not easy. But I really did want people to know like, hey, here's my story. You're not alone in these tensions. Um, I feel it too. And a lot of people do. And so I just, I really wanted to engage people on those issues, primarily of, you know, yeah, fighting through all that tension between family dream and career dreams. Yeah, um, really, really interesting and, and much needed, I think, um, with, a, I think, partially with where we are today and just the, the, um, the drive to, to want to keep going and keep going um, and realizing kind of some of our limitations um, and how we're able to be more present when uh, to our to our family or to our friends when we um, when we prioritize that, um, but then also back to our vocation when we when, when we have uh, some time to step away and gain gain some perspective as well. Um, what was there was there a moment or maybe moments that led you to um, just the need or something that happened in your life that led you the that where you realized how important you know, family and, and your marriage were to you that maybe you hadn't, um, had noticed earlier? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I write about a lot of those moments in the yeah. book. When I was on the road with Sarah, you know, or like newlyweds, certainly that had its challenges. Yeah. Um, but I found even more of a challenge when she, she went home and got off the road after giving birth to our first child, Emmy, who's gonna be 14 in February which is crazy Um, but you know that was the moment when I when I had that distance between us and I was on the road like 150 plus days out of the year and you got Sarah at home where I was like that restlessness really started to to eat at me and you know I still felt that I was called to be doing that work um, that God had given us a platform to that, that was it was really impacting people and I felt like this sense of calling around it but that's when I started asking okay like with this calling what are my what do I still get to choose in terms of how do I use my gifts and callings in a context that are healthy for my family and that was kind of the beginning of me like really focusing on how to figure this out and at first I didn't see a lot of answers um, and I I truly believe that God did have more to teach me there. 
Um, and I even see it now, you know, that if, if I would have left at that point, I wouldn't have had the experiences that were, were the experiences that led to this very lead me message, the song or the book. Um, and certainly God has wanted to use that as a message, not only to continue to speak to me, but to speak to others. So I know he was still at work there, but what I always tell people is that restlessness that I was feeling over the course for me of years, it's not that long for everybody, um, but that restlessness turns into a release. So I always say as, as certain as I was restless, there was a point when I knew with that same certainty that I was released from that season of life. And there are those tensions that we just have to live in sometimes, and I think that those are our times to just pray and and look, okay, God, I don't feel released, I feel restless, but in this restlessness and in this patience and the waiting for the release to the next season till I have some answers to these questions, what are you speaking to me and what am I learning? What can I learn in this moment? And that really is the heart of this journey even leading me to here is like, okay, God, what are you teaching me in this moment? Because I don't think restlessness in this life really ever goes away. You know, there's always a restlessness about something that God is trying to teach us. We just have to decide whether or not we're going to listen. Mm-hmm. Very good. And um, I, I, I'm sure you've been spending a lot of time on your on your book right now and kind of how uh, just where God has put you in uh, just really to hone in on this craft and I think just this time do you do you have a vision of how music is going to play into into part of your you know career is are you going to be taking a step back or re reevaluating how that's going to uh to kind of play into the the big picture yeah you know I think a lot about this um so when I stepped away from Sanctus Real in 2000 the beginning of 2016 um, you know, for that very reason, for the, the reason of wanting to be with my family more mm. and knowing that needed to be my priority. I moved into a season where I decided that, you know, well, my wife actually suggested that because so many people were asking me to write music, um, that we moved to Nashville so that I could actually be in Nashville and go into the studio during the days, but still be home in the mornings and at mm. night. And so actually for the first three years, even as I was starting to build this platform of more writing and speaking, um, I was still was in the studio a few times a week with other artists writing. And then there was a bunch of songs that I really felt like, you know, I wanted to carry. So I, I made an album in 2017, self-titled. It was my first album I did after Sanctus Real. But, but even then it was like, I didn't tour on it. You know, we didn't do a huge amount of promotion. And it just, I kind of kept feeling like, this is a piece of me, but I'm slowly taking a breath. And so after three years of writing like over a hundred songs a year in the studio with other artists, um, I actually really stepped back for a minute. And I'm in a season now where I'm like, I'm writing a little bit. Uh, When I go out, I go out with Kirk Cameron um, on a regular basis to do these event, marriage and parenting events with him. I get the opportunity to sing some of my songs and, and, and lead a little bit of worship and also speak a little. And so that to me has been kind of the most beautiful culmination of my gifts 
is to be able to like I, well let me put it this way I spent so long taking uh, a larger message and packing it into a four minute song mm. and something that's been a real joy for me is to be able to take that message and now unpack it a little more and it's been really neat to be able to mix and match the two you know to use both those gifts kind of in any given setting so if i'm speaking i can still sing a little if i'm singing i speak a little and i just i'm realizing more and more how they weave together but in terms of actual musical projects it's, it's always on my mind it's always in my heart and i'm thinking like i think something's gonna be birthed in me at the right time that will be the next thing that I'm able to do, you know, as an artist. And so I don't know when that'll be, but I know it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that for a lot of us, that something that we've kind of harnessed and that God has gifted us with and we've really practiced and developed, like singing or whatever the kind of that, that is for you, it can be the hardest to, um, to really, you know, I, you know, take your foot off the gas. I don't know if that would be a great analogy, but yeah. you know, um, just to step back and and I think it always has to be part of your life. But knowing, but thinking about what's important in uh, the in what goes into your decisions of like touring, for example, would take a lot a lot of time away from your family, um, and uh, and just having that awareness um, of what that what that looks like practically. Can you can you I want to get a little bit more into some of the um, into the specifics and you said you've been able to unpack what you you know have done in four minutes now on a you know a, a larger a, you know for a, a larger message or for you know through your book and through speaking um and in, in the title you talk about marriage and children um so a lot of listeners are married or aspiring to um to uh get married in the future can you can you talk about what you've maybe some of the biggest things that you've um, you've learned recently um, that have really maybe launched your marriage into uh, into kind of a new a new joy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, man, I'm I'm learning more and more. I'm trying to learn. I still fail, but yeah. one of the biggest things that I I'm trying to learn is to listen better. Mm. Um, you know, to say less. And so that's, that's hard because right. I, I use my voice for my work mm-hmm. and I have a lot of thoughts. Um, but you know, in my, my, my marriage, I, I want to say less and I want to listen more. Um, and you know, there's this, I think too, also there's this one illustration, man, that really spoke to me and it was in 2009, my wife and I went to a family life weekend to remember, which funny enough, I speak for those now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea back then that, that that would be part of what God had for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the examples, the guy said, he put his hand way up in the air and he said, um, you know, these are expectations. Uh, and he put his other hand way down low and he said, this is reality. He said, everything in between is disappointment. And, you know, the higher, and and I'm not saying you shouldn't have expectations in marriage because you should have expectations and and have healthy dialogue and fight for your marriage in the sense Mm -hmm. that you should fight to give and receive, um, you know, like fundamental needs 
and and work to give those to each other. There are some expectations, obviously, we should have, mm-hmm. but a lot of us live on false or inflated expectations, or expectations that came from dreams we had that were unrealistic. And we hold our spouse to a certain standard of what we expect to receive based on something we, some ideal we grew up with, or something we saw in a Disney film, or on, in a movie, or you know, things we've picked up from culture that aren't even real. Mm-hmm. And we, we hold our spouse to those expectations in our heart and mind, and until we release them from those kinds of expectations, everything between that bar we set and re- and reality, it becomes disappointments for us. And we can learn just to live in disappointments. And so that's been one is like, how do I see my wife through a realistic lens um, of, of not putting or placing expectations on her to be God to me in mm-hmm. essence and mm-hmm. fulfill every desire of my heart, you know, and, and how can we learn to give to each other um, in a way that's honoring and serving. And then also one of the big things for me as a husband and a father, perhaps the biggest lesson on this journey for me was the day I wrote the song, lead me. I felt like God put something on my heart. It was, you know, it was a huge conversation between Sarah and I, where she sat across from me in tears and just said, Hey, I need you to be a better leader and, you know, more emotionally and spiritually mm-hmm. engaged in our family. It's like you're here, but you're not here, is what she was saying. And as she walked away in tears, and I picked up my guitar and wrote the first draft of that song, mm-hmm. Lead Me, and tried to listen to what God wanted to say to me mm-hmm. as well through her words um, and, and, and just his words, yeah. um, I really felt that he pointed something out to me that I was a person of really good intentions. And I had defined myself by my own internal dialogue and imaginations, not by how other people really perceived me. So basically, in a more simplified Mm -hmm. way, I realized that my good intentions were absolutely worthless until they became actions that were seen by the people around me that actually made them feel loved. And the simplest way I tell people this is I bought this workout ball um, from Target, and it's like a little octagon. It's black with yellow lettering on each flat side. You throw it on the ground and it tells you what to do, right? Like he says, 30 sit-ups or mm-hmm. 20 push-ups. And so I remember I bought it. It rolled out of the bag in my back seat and sat in my car for like three months. And every time I looked at it, even though I wasn't using it for its intended purpose, in my mind, I was doing those sit-ups that it was telling me to do. I could see myself doing it in my head. It kind of made me feel good just looking at it and thinking about doing it. Finally, I like brought it in my house. I thought I was going to use it again. And I ended up sitting around again for like in my mudroom for another several weeks. And it was push-ups that was facing me. So every time I walked by it, I saw those push-ups and like, I'm like, I'm doing those push-ups and in my mind, I'm getting sincerely like ripped on good intentions, right? Like, like I'm feeling good about having this thing around because every day I'm playing the reel in my head of doing these push-ups. And it's like so ridiculous, right? Because in my mind, I'm doing these things to get in shape, but in reality, I'm doing nothing while kind of still feeling good about myself or just thinking about it. And I think that it's so easy for us as people to get wrapped up in thinking about 
like, oh, I see there's my Bible, and I think about, I'm going to open that more, and I think about it. I imagine, I see it in my head, I envision myself being that person. I envision myself praying more with my kids. I envision myself spending more quality time with my wife, listening better and engaging her more. And at some point, those actually become hindering to us if they never become actions in reality where people around us can actually see the difference. And so, and that would be my biggest mm. challenge is we often plan for everything in life except for the most important things. So what are we doing to intentionally plan to have the conversations and do the things that we need to be doing as husbands and fathers that are really making a difference in our kids' lives and in our wives' lives? Mm. Really, really fascinating. And on the intentions, um, and something I've kind of been thinking about more as well of the intentions um, that I have and if they are, well, one, if I'm, at, if I'm following through on them and if, if they're the right intentions too. So it's seeking, seeking God's will in those, in, in those desires, where, where, where are these, what are these going toward and right. And being a leader uh, one, which, which is fantastic. And then it's actually modeling it and it's um, is acting it out. Can you can you, um, you you had mentioned earlier of, of your your mother I think in particular on how she uh, along the lines of kind of like modeled her ministry in in a capacity of her you know she kind of walked the walk um, was was there things in particular that were that you admired in her or you know in your parents that um, that maybe had uh, that you that had, they had passed along to you. Yeah, um, you know, both my parents served faithfully uh, in, in the church, yeah. you know, and, and one of the things that I saw them do was continue to serve, mm. not just like talk about church or talk about, you know, faith-related things. Like I watched them serve faithfully through adversity, and I watched them serve faithfully and love faithfully, not only the church— but love and faithfully serve each other through times that were extremely difficult. You know, we went through multiple church splits when I was a kid. Um, we experienced what many people who are still in the church or have fallen away from the church have felt, which is disappointed by, you know, pastoral yeah. leadership failures or moral failures in the church or divisive personalities in the church that have torn churches apart. My parents never blamed God mm. and always accepted the fact that people were people. Mm. They never let those things make them bitter. They never thought about what is the church doing for me or what is everyone else doing for me? They really always did in that context think about what are we doing for the church and what are we doing to breathe life and live our faith through adversity um, to help others. And that, to me, I can honestly say was one of the biggest things that my parents modeled for me. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, they're not perfect. And um, but man, just their willingness to to not be perfect and see and accept others who weren't either, but to have a gen genuine faith and willingness to serve mm. and not, you know, I just love the fact they never blamed God mm. or or the church for. Um, 
the shortcomings of people, which allowed them to remain faithful to the work that God had called them to do instead of being distracted. I think that was one of the biggest lessons that they taught me. Yeah. Wow. Really, really, uh, really cool. And I think, I think that's, that's servant leadership. That's, um, weathering the storm and being able to handle adversity. Um, can, is there anything else that you wanted to share, um, on your book or anything you want to leave uh, our listeners with today? Yeah, you know, man, there's so much. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it was just part of the reason, you know, I've, I've, I've loved writing this book because I'm like the opportunity again to unpack a message instead of try to shove it in a four minute song. And both yeah. are, are worthy and, and beautiful crafts, you know, to give yourself to, of course. Yeah. But, um, but man, I've so enjoyed the process of looking back at what God has done and the times that I couldn't see it, but looking back and writing this book, realizing there's so many times when I didn't know what God was doing, but I can look back now and see that he was that thread, not just the thread, but he had a thread. He was, there were so many threads through it, obviously, that uh, that he was weaving this story through that I couldn't see. And ultimately he was holding it all together. Mm. Um, and, but I think in that journey, I just, the most important thing that I can do is just let people who are out there struggling just know, and this might sound so simple and it is simple. Um, it's funny that like cliche things like mm. are cliche usually because they mean they're they're Cause they're true. Usually, <laughs> Um, and you know, you just, people, they're not alone. Like, so if you're struggling in your marriage, um, or you're feeling today, like, man, I just cannot get this right. Or, you know, I'm not, I'm not acting enough. I'm I'm, you're hearing this and you're like, man, you know, I've got those ideas about who I want to be, but I'm I'm struggling to put that into action. Um, I would just encourage you today, um, to, to do that, to take one step at a time, not look at the big picture of what you want to be, but know that we all fail. And the only way that we get anywhere, every long journey literally is, is done one step at a time. And today I would challenge whoever's out there to say, Hey, think of what you can do today that will make a difference. One step in getting closer to the man and the person that God mm. has called you to be. Um, and, and I believe there are so many voices in culture that tell us we can't, especially as men. Like, man, I, you know, I just wrote a little thing. I'm working on some, uh, some other material, and, and I was writing about um, something that, you know, many people have talked about, which is just the whole portrayal of men in culture, mm-hmm. especially in like sitcom culture and commercial culture, where, you know, the way that men are portrayed. Um, and then also add on top of that, that there are a lot of men who abuse their power in the world and leave women and children wounded mm-hmm. for good reason. And then we're left, you know, to we're responsible as good men in the world to try to somehow reconcile that and live our own lives in a way that brings healing. Mm. And these can seem like really overwhelming obstacles in this culture um, to fight for our values and fight for family and to be the men God's called us to be. But I just, I think the most powerful thing I've found that I can say to men is that 
by the word of God that he's given you to lead you and guide you and by his spirit inside of you, um, for men who are trusting in Christ, mm. I just want to say you can. You can be the man that God has called you to be. You can do it. Don't listen to your own voice inside your head that lies to you, the voice of the enemy that lies to you, mm. or the voice of culture that lies to you. You can do it. Um, just know that today. Take it to heart and go out and get it. Get that step today. It's going to take you a little bit closer to who God's called you to be. Mm. Awesome. Um, what, a, what a great way to, to end and, um, and in particular on on just manhood and um, something we didn't touch a whole lot on uh, in this conversation, but I, I do hope that listeners can can grab a copy of the book. And I, I mean, I think it's when we reclaim marriage and and um, and fatherhood and parenting, we're able to um, to kind of to reclaim and uh, prioritize that identity that we have, um, which is ultimately in Christ, and as it's um, really magnified in our in our house um so thank you and i'm i I can really i i don't see you here you know we're not we're not doing this interview in person but i can i can see your heart for um for your family and and um the ministry that you're doing uh and just for all the time that you've poured into your book so i really appreciate you and and uh and sharing sharing a word and just a, a sneak peek into this book and um I'm really grateful. Where can where can we uh, get a copy and just stay in touch with uh, all that you're doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I would definitely invite anyone out there who's interested in you know just kind of these sorts of conversations because these are the conversations I'm having all the time on on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, it's just Matt Hammett, just my name, uh, two M's and two T's in my last name. So. I got tons of M's and T's. It's a, I just I realized that a few years ago. I don't know how I went most of my life without realizing how many M's and T's are in my name. <laughs> but um, basically, yeah. So it's just Matt Hammett on all those uh, social media handles, and then uh, matthammett.com, and you can find there like links to my my books and um, music, and most importantly, just kind of take this journey. And I'm really working to try to just encourage other guys with the things that I learn daily. Um, you know about these issues because that's where my heart is and so mm-hmm. i'd love for you to join me awesome and the the book will be available in early mid-february is that correct yeah so the books uh it will be out february 11th okay it'll be available everywhere um i'll have wing- links at my at website you can actually you know it's it's if it's before that you can pre-order it. if it's after that it'll be available everywhere you buy books cool. um so and we'll also have an audio book out as well sweet love it all right thanks matt Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.